Al Jazeera Podcasts. Today, what does the biggest gathering of U.S. political conservatives say about the state of the right? Welcome to CPAC 2024, where globalism goes to die. CPAC can often be a harbinger of what's next in the Republican Party. And at this CPAC, what's next is one man, Donald J. Trump. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I think CPAC really is a place where we see the thriving heart of conservatism and and what that is when they're together. That's Will Summer. I'm a media reporter at The Washington Post, and I'm the author of Trust the Plan, a book about the QAnon conspiracy theory. Will spent the last several years covering the U.S. right and the media ecosystem that informs it. And there's one event where all of those people come together. The Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC. For nearly 50 years, grassroots activists have gathered to hear from GOP leaders at the Conservative Political Action Conference. The annual Conservative Political Action Conference, better known as CPAC. I think it's often very interesting what conservative activists say when they're speaking to one another in a way that they never would in public. And obviously, this is not like we're in the private back room. I mean, this stuff is being broadcast on YouTube and and all this stuff. But, you know, it's not really for a general audience consumption. And this year especially, as Donald Trump sweeps Republican primary after primary, there's a lot to ask about where conservatives in the U.S. are headed. Want to know how a broadly unpopular former president, someone facing 91 criminal charges, became the Republican Party frontrunner for 2024? I did. So did I. <laughs> that is Nagin Oliayi, a senior producer here at The Take. Hey, Nagin. Hey, Malika. I knew I could find the answer to that question at CPAC. They endorsed Trump in January. That's before the primaries even began. So Will Summer, the Washington Post reporter we spoke to, has been to CPAC several times over the course of covering the U.S. right. But he didn't go this year. Yeah, that's right. A lot of media didn't get credentialed this year. And CPAC actually bragged about that. Wow. They said they weren't letting in what they called left-wing media this year. Huh. But Will filled me in on what I could expect. So CPAC has always been sort of the home of the party's grassroots, as well as sort of ideologues, the people who cook up the policy, the think tanks. It's very advantageous that it's usually held in D.C., and so it draws a lot of lawmakers who are going to be in town anyway. It's never been exactly like a moderate operation. It it used to be sort of like your kind of like D.C. Republican type stuff, kind of like classical conservatism, small government, um, this idea that we're going to be uh, cutting taxes, uh, cutting regulation, just sort of like um, a lot of Republican mainstay ideas, particularly of like the Reagan years. But a lot of that has been washed away. And now it is Trump, 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 Trump. So, Nagin, you are in D.C. and you decided since it's in the neighborhood last Thursday, you'd go check it out. I'm currently in my car where I'm driving from my apartment in downtown DC to Gaylord National Harbor, where I'm gonna go to CPAC. And I'm here with 
I'm Rob Migran. I'm a filmmaker and also a husband of Nagin. Yes, uh, I'm bringing him along. We've just arrived. It's around 9 a.m. on Thursday. It's the first real day of CPAC. Uh, we're walking down the halls. Uh, it's basically like a huge hotel uh, with a conference center attached, and everything around here is red, white, and blue. Um, by a sign that is for Patriot Mobile, mobilizing freedom. It's America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Uh, so I think they probably are one of the sponsors of this event. And yeah, they, we are going to go see what's see what's in store. So what is this convention like? It was lively. And before the political speeches started, we wanted to head downstairs. It had this festival atmosphere. Okay, so we are down in the exhibit hall. And the best way I can describe this is kind of like a science fair, but for the right. Uh, you have booths, they have these like kind of poster board signs advertising all kinds of things. There's a huge emphasis on kind of natural healing. So we're going to walk around and see, see what's here and hopefully bring you some interviews. I'm uh, Larry Obreu. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Fresh Mouth. A lot of people ask me why I'm at CPAC, political thing, you know. Um, I mean, number one, we're part of the conservative movement for sure. Fluoride, uh, which is kind of politicalized big time. We're a non-fluoride company. We're kind of against that, going against the mainstream media, mainstream narrative. My name is Magda Khalifa, and I'm the founder of the brand Triangle Fragrance, luxury scents for men and women. Freedom is the best seller overall. It's sweet citrus and campfire. My name is Daniel Paul Olson. I'm essentially a vibration therapy puritas, which is Latin for expert. So why come to a political conference? Being at CPAC is amazing, right? Because we have like-minded ideals, we have like-minded morals and values. Uh, and as a patriot-owned company, right, we stand behind those that stand with us. Okay, so right now I'm standing outside of the main stage of CPAC, waiting for the event to kick off. Uh, the main stage is where you see some of the big name speakers uh, and a lot of Republican leaders make their debut here. So in 1974, the very first CPAC, Ronald Reagan gave the keynote speech. Voices have been raised trying to rekindle in our country all the great ideals and principles which set this nation apart from all the others that preceded us. And he went on to be president a few years later. And ever since him, every single U.S. Republican president has spoken at CPAC at some point or another in their careers. The American people have turned to us. And if there is one thing that has earned that trust, it is an uncompromising commitment to the security of the United States of America. When was the last time we won? Do we win a war? Do we win anything? Do we win anything? We're going to win. We're going to win big, folks. We're going to start winning again. Believe me, we're going to win. We just stepped out after seeing the introduction to CPAC from Matt and Mercedes Schlapp. We send a loud CPAC message to President Donald J. Trump and his family that we stand four square with him. Matt Schlapp is a man who runs CPAC. Mercedes Schlapp is his wife and also a former Trump administration official. They want you to feel isolated, and we will not. We are a family. We are a community. We have come together 
because we're going to take this country back. So Matt kicked off the conference by saying CPAC, it's where globalism goes to die. That's the theme of this year's CPAC conference. But something that was interesting is that afterwards he talked about the international summit that CPAC held yesterday. So you actually have a lot of political leaders from around the world at this year's CPAC. I'm thinking of Javier Malay, who's the recently inaugurated president of Argentina. He's a big proponent of austerity. You also have Nayib Bukele. He's the president of El Salvador, uh, most known for his really kind of law and order oriented policies. They say globalism comes to die at CPAC. I'm here to tell you that in El Salvador, it's already dead. You have Liz Truss, who was prime minister of the UK in, in 2022. Conservatives are now operating in what is a hostile environment. And we essentially need a bigger bazooka in order to be able to deliver. And so these are the people who are convening at the conference this year. And in this international summit, Schlapp says that they settled on three goals. One was end Joe Biden's election interference, which is, I think they're referring to this kind of broadly known conspiracy theory that Donald Trump actually won in 2020. Uh, The other one is defund the World Health Organization. And the last one is stand with Israel. So despite the theme being where globalism goes to die, you can actually see quite a heavy emphasis on the international this year at CPAC. And I will say that it's not like CPAC has never had kind of eyebrow raising moments. So as I was researching for this episode, I was watching something from Newt Gingrich back in the 1990s. Newt Gingrich being the former Speaker of the House. He was a really influential member of the conservative movement in the 90s. And he was talking about multiculturalism. It was something that would kind of fit in today, I think. Which is that I am opposed to multiculturalism, but I favor other culturalism. I I have a PhD in European history. I believe in studying other countries. But I think first you study us, and then you study the others. And you understand they are the others. But looking through the panels for this year's CPAC, I think it's different than you might have expected if you were coming from the 1970s. It's It's already chaos. Michelle versus uh, Kamala. And the... The, the point here is, is that we know what's going to happen on the Republican side. Donald J. Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. for president. So we just we left a panel that. called Catfight, Michelle versus Kamala. There's a question mark after Catfight. Uh, the Michelle there is Michelle Obama, the wife of former U.S. President Barack Obama. And Kamala is current Vice President Kamala Harris. So basically what they were looking at is whether or not Joe Biden would end up being the Democratic nominee and whether one of these women would kind of replace him. Kamala cannot tie her shoelaces and fix the campaign. She's not doing her job, period, because she's not capable. She has imposter syndrome. And it comes out all the time where she knows she's a fraud. She knows she doesn't belong in this position. So that's why the nervous laughter and the cackling and all of that, because she knows she's not up to the job. Joe Biden it doesn't know what planet he's on, so the president is completely out to lunch, and the vice president is in a constant state of nervous breakdown. So the Democrats... Ouch. Yeah, the best way I could describe it would be mean-spirited. And Will actually also talked about the tone of the panels at CPAC. I think in the past few years, CPAC has really been focused on um, these like really intense culture war issues. If you want to see 
not what the Republican, you know, PR machine people want the average voter to see. Um, but would you, if you want to see what they're going to be trying out, you got to watch those speeches at CPAC. And, you know, in these rooms where it's just you know, huge, you know, thousands perhaps of people just jumping up and cheering this stuff. And you go, ooh, yikes. Um, and, you know, and, and that's that's what's on the agenda. I think about, for example, this new plan that came out, the, this, this DC think tank came up for the Trump administration where we're going to get rid of no-fault divorce, we're going to ban surrogacy, all this stuff. The think tank Will is talking about is called the Center for Renewing America. And I know their founder was high up in the Trump administration. Yeah, and one of their staffers, Jeffrey Clark, spoke at CPAC on Friday. And he's one of the lawyers who's accused of working with Trump to overthrow the 2020 election. I was the only leader in the Justice Department who wanted to investigate the 2020 election with energy and drive. These are people who would have a lot of influence in the second Trump administration, but that's stuff that the average voter, I I think, would be horrified by. It's striking to to think about how CPAC, how much it is now sort of in, in the Trump orbit and sort of a Trump adjunct. I mean... You know, a few years before he ran for president, Trump was booed at CPAC because rightly they saw him as, you know, completely out of step with conservatives. And now, I mean, it's it's the Trump show. So one of the things that's interesting about being here at CPAC is that you can't really tell that there's a primary going on. It's very obvious there's an election. You hear so much of Joe Biden's name. You hear a lot about the Democrats, but not really a lot about Donald Trump's competition uh, amongst Republicans. Uh, it's almost like a foregone conclusion that he's going to win. And when you walk around, you see more of those red hats that are associated with Donald Trump, with the Make America Great Again on it, than I have seen since 2020. And when you first walk into the exhibit hall, actually the biggest thing that you see is a giant RV with Donald Trump's face on it. So I wanted to hear what that was all about. My name is Wadi Yakur. I'm with the John Fredericks Radio Network. And tell me about what I'm looking at right now. You are looking at about a what, 36, 37-foot RV with President Trump's face on it. Uh, MAGABustour.com, Trump for President 2024. And uh, on top of all that is the great signatures of all the participants here at CPAC. And it's not just here at CPAC. We'll be at a gas station or something, and people will run up and like, oh, can we sign it? But the majority of the signatures that you're looking at right now are from people here at CPAC. John Fredericks is calling it TPAC this year. It's the, the Trump Political Action Committee. Why TPAC? Why, why is he calling it that? It's about making America great again. It's about going to how we were in, in 2017. We want lower taxes. We want people to be able to afford houses. We want our freedoms with our Second Amendment rights. All the things that come with, with President Trump and real conservative leadership. We can't say that everybody is absolutely for him, but uh, I don't know, I can't tell. If they're not happy with seeing him, they're hiding it. And I would probably hide it too if I was them in, at, at TPAC this year. There are some people taking pictures of the truck right now, right? Yes, there are, and they're smi- they were smiling. I think they were smiling. <laughs> so what happened to the rest of the U.S. conservative movement? That's after the break. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula, I am an AI, and I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. 
so I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. So, Nagin, when you went to CPAC, Donald Trump hadn't yet spoken. Yeah, that's right. He didn't speak until the weekend. The unprecedented success of the United States of America will be my ultimate and absolute revenge. That's what I want. Success will be our revenge. While the former president is still the main draw, CPAC is a chance for people emerging from the wings of the party to make their debut on the conference's main stage. I wanted to know what that meant for where the conservative movement was headed. And Will had an answer. You also get to see the the party's rising stars. I mean, you see people who are sort of being tested as, you know, are you currently a congressional backbencher and you're going to give a speech on a particular topic at CPAC? And then if it really catches on, you know, you're probably going to start being on Fox News more and stuff like that. And so um, I think for people who are are looking both at the current state of Trumpism and I think what's going to come after Trump, I think CPAC is a really important thing to look out for. And one of last year's most memorable speakers has already become a household name across the U.S. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, from Georgia, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene sort of rose to fame basically on the back of conspiratorial conspiracy theory posts. She was a big supporter of the QAnon conspiracy theory, which she now claims to not believe. But I mean, she was in deep. I mean, you know, just to make it clear. It's not just Democrat and Republican left and right. You can dive down in that civil war into deeper levels where we have basically the deep state is fighting back against President Trump, his loyal, the loyal people in his administration and the American people. It can be comforting to think that that Marjorie Taylor Greene is sort of this fringe member who does kind of crazy things and that isn't taken seriously and, you know, is not someone who has to be taken seriously in exchange. Um, But really, you know, she's one of the Republican Party's biggest fundraisers. And so she's someone with a huge amount of influence. Greene used her speech at CPAC last year to talk about a bill she's introduced. It would severely restrict the accessibility of transgender people to get gender-affirming care. Doctors found to be providing it could be charged with a felony. And that is to be the party that protects children. She got a warm reception. The same couldn't be said for Nikki Haley, who today is Trump's only competition left in the race for the Republican presidential nomination. I'm a woman, I'm a minority, and I'm the daughter of immigrants. I am proof that liberals are wrong about everything they say about America. After that speech at CPAC last year, Haley was heckled by Trump supporters. This year, she skipped the event entirely. She's not the only one. Pretty much anyone who is a Trump opponent the Republican Party won't be there. 
a lot of, you know, what you might call never Trump people are having another conference in D.C. at the same time called Principles First. Uh, the fact that these people have their own separate conference uh, just demonstrates that, I mean, the Republican Party and CPAC and conservatism are really all behind Trump. And the divide is one that goes beyond two dueling conferences in the shadow of the Capitol. You know, for many years, it has seemed that there's been a divide between the conservative grassroots and the audience that consumes conservative right-wing media, like Fox News, these conspiracy theory websites, talk radio, and what the people in D.C. or the people in the Chamber of Commerce funding a lot of Republican campaigns, what they would like the direction of the party to be. And and they would prefer sort of a uh, cut taxes, cut regulation, and let's avoid some of these social issues that alienate voters. And so the there's this disconnect between how government works and how the people with the the sort of classic business Republicans would like the party to function and the the grassroots, which has been promised these these kind of really hard conservative policy objectives for decades. Those other conservative policies, the kinds that the corporate wing of the Republican Party preferred, think tax cuts and less regulation are still in the mix. The Trump administration played to that grassroots base. But it also delivered on a lot of that. In many ways, I, I, I do think that Republican business interests have gotten what they wanted. I mean, they got a conservative Supreme Court. Uh, you know, it's probably the biggest thing. I mean, yes, they got their tax cuts and they got this conservative Supreme Court that is just hacking and slashing regulations anticipated to. Uh, and so, you know, in many ways, I think the, these groups have been mollified. At the same time, how far do they want to go on social conservative issues? It's just there's kind of this fundamental disconnect within the party that has only grown. So where does that leave the conservative movement? Well, I don't think it's going to become more moderate anytime soon. I think all the signs we're seeing are that these ideas that have been inculcated in conservative media and online and really encouraged by Donald Trump, I think, are going to continue. And certainly Trumpism is here to stay. I think it is really important to emphasize what a good chance he has of being reelected. I mean, when I talk to people abroad, there is sort of that disconnect where they don't realize that, you know, it's like, you're going to bring that guy back? Um, but really, there is it's very little opposition to him within the Republican Party. So, Nagin, somehow, even without this competition that Will was talking about, it still seems like a very uncertain election year. Yeah, Malika, and it is only getting started. Well, Nagin, thanks for this preview and thanks for your reporting. You're welcome. And that's The Take. For more of Nagin's reporting and to check out photos of this year's CPAC, head to our social media accounts. We're at AJE Podcasts. Special thanks to Rob Migren and Kevin Hurton for their help with this show. This episode was produced by Nagin Odiayi and Chloe K. Lee with Zaina Bezer, Sonia Bagat, Paranisa Kampana, Sariel Kharili, David Enders, Miranda Lynn, Ashish Malhotra, Khalid Sultan, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Nate Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.